going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. I do see we have some um, guests with us this morning. And I know right now you're thinking, oh man, please don't call us out. Don't make us shake hands. I won't. Um, but, um, welcome. And there is a cafe out behind you that uh, after church you can fellowship with and, and shake hands and meet people. And this coffee and all that stuff is free. Um, so enjoy that. Restrooms, if, if you have a need to use a restroom during the service, you can go out through those doors. This is our children's ministry wing. And if you don't have the proper pass, you'll be tackled by our security. Um, so I think that's it for that. Um, those of you that wish you could have a more in-depth teaching or study on creation issues... Um, from Dr. Benjamin, I wanted to let you know that you can. Uh, he's doing a series on Sunday evenings. Um, I hear the roads are going to be horrible over that way tonight. Um, listen, if you're a lady that attends this church, I really, really, really want to encourage you to come tonight. Be safe. If you need a ride, um, call. We'll try to get you a ride. Uh, but we, you'll be blessed. I, I really encourage you to come. Um, next several Sunday evenings, starting at 5.30, uh, Jeff's going to be doing a series at Cross Point Church. If you don't know where that is, go to Bangor Baptist. It's the same building and parking lot that they use. Um, you walk in the door by the carport, and it's room seven, straight ahead. Uh, I encourage you to do that. He, well, I don't want to say this was him. I, it's not a direct quote, but no girls allowed tonight. I don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, growth groups. Uh, we're getting ready to start our growth groups again. If you don't know what that is, basically, uh, when you come in Sunday mornings during our season of, of doing that, there's questions, discussion questions on the back table that should take you deeper into the things that we talk about on Sunday mornings. Uh, maybe some of the side areas that you'd like to explore or things that you'd like to discuss or questions that... Uh, you may have, it gives opportunity to do that in a small 10, 12, 14 people, something like that group. Um, we are in a season that we, we've had three of our co-leaders drop out for this next session, different things they've got going on in their lives. So there's a sign-up sheet on the back table. I understand you don't really know what you're signing up for um, because it's going to depend on the day and the night and the location, but I just kind of want to know what the need is for those that aren't are not already in a group. If you've been in an ongoing group, please let your leaders know that you're interested in rejoining them or you found a cooler group that you're going to be a part of or whatever, just so we know. Uh, I think that's it. I will talk a little bit more about our week of prayer at the end. If you guys remember last week, did that give everybody time to turn to First Thessalonians 5? Last week we left off in a super exciting part of this little letter. We were talking about the rapture of the church. Um, Paul taught this church. If you guys remember, he was with this church for three Sabbaths. So a little less than a month, about three weeks. And it amazes me the things, the doctrine that he taught these guys. Uh, he stayed there for a short time and then he was driven off by those that opposed him under threats of death, and Timothy came to him. Timothy came and he gave him an incredible report 
about how this little church was doing and how much they had grown and, and their love for one another. And Paul began our section last week saying, church, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things or I don't want you to lack information or, or not know specifically two key components concerning the end times. The first was what happens to Christians who die before the rapture occurs. And then ballpark, Paul, when are we talking? When are these things going to happen? The times and the seasons. Before we do that, though, I want to read one verse. Uh, Had no plans on doing this, honestly. But before before the service, just kind of praying and remembering what the Lord had for us here and not knowing what's going on in all of your lives. I'm so excited about this week of prayer and just uh, praying for one another, encouraging one another. But if you remember from chapter 2, Paul wrote this to this church, sort of authenticates their ministry, um, validates the life that Paul and those that were ministering with him were living. But verse 10 starts, it says, You are witnesses, and God also. So may, may God be our witness how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. And as you know, how we exhorted, comforted, and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And that's, that's really our prayer for everyone, all of you guys this week, and, and I, I said I would save it to the end, and I'm, I'm trying to, but um, just that you would participate however, that, however you can in this week of prayer, and really seek to listen to the Lord, not in any way a religious thing, uh, but just seeking the relationship with him, and time with him, and rest in him. So first, last week, we talked about Again, what happened to those that died, having given their lives to the Lord, surrendered their lives, asked him for salvation, and this church is waiting with anticipation for the Lord's return, the, the, the rapture, or the, the harpazo in the Greek, or the, remember Jesus, catch up, the, the gathering up of the church. But then, Grandpa died, or, or somebody else, and suddenly this church was concerned. They had only had a limited amount of teaching from Paul, and what happens to them? They, they died before Jesus came back. Do they miss out? And Paul told us, no, certainly not. The dead in Christ rise first. Uh, their bodies go up before ours or those that remain at the time of the rapture. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us that as a Christian, to be absent from the body is what? to be present with the Lord. That means our, our last breath on earth takes us to our next breath in heaven in the presence of Jesus. So how does all that work? Apparently, they're, they're with Jesus. They come down with him in, in spirit. Their bodies meet him in the air before us. And then we're gathered up in that. Uh, those that are still alive when he comes back are gathered in the air. And then, as our, as our scripture said, are then forever in the presence of the Lord. And our chapter ended in verse 18 with these words, therefore comfort one another with these words. So Paul wanted this knowledge to be a comfort 
to them and a comfort to us and encourage us to be proactive about talking about these things, reminding one another continuously about this rescue mission of Jesus for his church. You guys remember the words of Jesus in in John 14 where he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So knowing that that's coming should bring us tremendous comfort and relief. And then we had this sort of unfortunate chapter break, right? You guys know that our, our chapter breaks are not inspired. They weren't in the original manuscripts or scrolls, but they make it super convenient for me to say, hey, everybody turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5, right? We can be on the same page. But Paul also wants us to have knowledge of when this is going to happen. What should we be looking for? So chapter 5, verse 1, he begins, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, again for your word. We thank you that uh, all of these things don't have to be a mystery. Lord, we don't have to be surprised as if a a thief broke into our house at at night, unaware and unsuspecting and and vulnerable to that. But Lord, you, you want us to know you. Lord, you want us to know your plan for us. And Father, would you give us clarity of mind? Would you help us? Lord, to set aside the distractions and the worries and the anxieties that we have and even the thoughts of what we need to do after this service, Lord, as, as we set aside our hearts and our minds to you for, for this time. Lord, use it in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, Paul begins in verse 1 saying, Concerning the times and the seasons, you have no need that I write to you, and I think that is so incredible. If, if I were to say to you guys, our, our church, I think September will be 12 years that we've, we've started this church plant, and if I said, hey, randomly, you tell me about the times and the seasons and how can we know that we're close to the end, or if I was going to say, oh, this is what I was going to speak on today, but there's really no need to speak to you guys about that because you know it, could I really say that? Well, Paul could, having only spent three weeks with these guys. So to be like Paul, our Bible studies are now going to be 12 hours at now. They're not. But that's the incredible depth of teaching that they had. And I think it's awesome. Paul said, guys, about the when. I don't really have to address that or readdress that with you, do I? I mean, I was with you for a few weeks, and we talked about it. In fact, in, in verse 2... He says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. You know perfectly. 
that the day of the Lord comes as a thief. The day of the Lord, that's an interesting study all of its own. I don't know how many of you guys have researched that or tried to, to discover what that is. It's a term that comes up frequently in the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New. Uh, many theologians want to give it a concrete definition or better yet, a specific date on the calendar or an event to be able to say when this happens, that is the day of the Lord. In the Old Testament, we see several references to it at times where God enacts his judgment on people. And it's often referred to as the day or that day. Um, the problem that I have as a student of the Bible with, with saying it's this specific date is that God seems pretty comfortable having the definition of that be pretty fluid based on context. And one place it seems to refer to this, and like I said, in the Old Testament, it seems to be a pouring out of his judgment. From, from my personal study and understanding of the day of the Lord, that it's not just a single future day. Okay, it's not a, uh, we, we can't say it's September 25th, 2035, or something like that. But it's more of a period of time. It's, it's almost as if this day that we live in now is the day of man, right? Man is running wild, basically, and being the God of his own life. And in the future, when God sets things right and no longer will appear to this world as passive or permissive or not super hands-on, letting sin run wild and mankind have free will, when, when the Lord intervenes and is involved in the daily affairs of mankind, uh, will no longer be the day of man. But God's active involvement will change everything radically. So people look at that as being the day of the Lord or the time of the Lord. And my personal timeline, I think these things that we're talking about here in First Thessalonians, the rapture of the church, the gathering up, that starts it. And then it would go through the seven-year tribulation period, it would include the battle of Armageddon. It would include the millennial reign of Christ. Um, certainly, all of that is a time of judgment when God pours out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world or the nations. And, but it's also a time of salvation, right? The salvation of Israel, uh, that would be part of the day of the Lord. So think end times, I guess, when you hear that, not one specific event in time. So verse 3, Paul begins to describe these times for us, in these seasons that we should be aware of. He uses um, pregnancy as an example. I'm not going to do that today. Uh, don't want anybody to feel picked on. Um, but he talks of times and seasons, right? Not the day. So we should be able to look at the scriptures and examine what the Lord has revealed to us in his word and discern when we're getting close. We, we shouldn't listen to internet bloggers or a pastor or a priest or anyone that would say it's going to be this date and it's going to be this time. And it seems like year after year there are more and more predictions being made, often around October, November, around a particular feast, and that um, 
season of the calendar. So if I ever do that, um, boot me out of here because I've lost my mind, okay? But it seems uh, very clear. In fact, Jesus tells us that no one knows the day or the hour, right? His own words in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So if Jesus didn't know when he was on the earth, then none of his creation will know. Um, He said so, right? He said no one knows. It's, It's clearly there. But concerning the season... He gives us this. Paul says in verse 3, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. When they say this is a time of peace, we have nothing to worry about. When everyone feels safe and isn't really worried about the wrath of God, doesn't really concern themselves about the things of God, Does that describe a time or a place that you're familiar with? Do people around you in the the world today, are they they concerned about these things? Do they talk about these things? Certainly not as much as they did even 20 years ago. So we need to be aware of what the Word says on this. Uh, We, again, as we look at the timeline of things, um, people oftentimes, I, I mentioned internet bloggers, trying to predict who the Antichrist is or when the Antichrist will come. Well, we as the church should be looking for Jesus, right? Not for Antichrist or any of those things that will happen after that. But when the world feels like they are safe, uh, peace and safety, and not concerned about God pouring out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world, then we should begin looking for it. We should know that we're in the times and the seasons, and these are the beginning of labor pains. Um, you know they're coming, uh, but not usually exactly when. Right? You don't know when that child is, is coming, but when once full-blown labor kicks in, it's happening. Right? There's no stopping that. So let's look a little bit more about what Jesus said about the time. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. We know that the days of Noah were a time of wickedness. People were coming and going and living as they wanted to live and completely ignoring this one man that was preaching that God's judgment was coming. He, He goes on and it says, for in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will the coming of the son of man be then two men will be in the field one will be taken and the other left two women will be grinding at the mill one will be taken and the other left watch therefore for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming now Let me read a couple more verses. He he says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, 
for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I don't know if you guys have ever been broken into or had your car burglarized or your home. or we've, We had the church burglarized a couple of times early on and that feeling of being violated. You know, or people going through your stuff. My office door was kicked in and personal items were taken. And um, Had I known that, that was going to happen, you know, I would have had Nick perched on the roof and I would have been <laughs> ready to jump out of the, under the chairs. And Had I known. Had I been prepared. And, you know, I, I don't know everyone in the room. I don't know where everyone in the room is with the Lord. But, you know, these are warnings even for Christians to be ready and to be prepared because we don't know when the Lord's return will be. And I, I'll just say, if you don't know the Lord, um, please take care of that today. Talk to me after the service. Talk to my wife after the service. Can I get the elders that are in the room to raise their hands? Pastor Jim over here, Ron, Brian, Nick. Talk to them, their wives. Pray with them. Make sure that's settled today. That's more important than anything else I have to say. These are the words of Jesus. Be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Paul says, but you guys, he's writing to the church, right? You guys are Christians, and and you know what to look for or should know what to look for. And back in chapter 5, if you look at verse 4 with me, Paul says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Paul says you guys aren't what you once were. That's who you once were. But you're brand new in Christ. You're a new creation in Jesus. You're now followers of Jesus. You're Christians. Sons of light and sons of the day. No longer of the night or of darkness. So the question for them and and for us really is, how then should this affect the way that we live? Paul makes assumptions here about them too. You guys are Christians, so you're digging in and you're learning, and you want to know more about God, and, and these things aren't a complete mystery to you, because here's who you now are. You're now sons of light and sons of the day, so walk in that identity that you have in Jesus. Be who you're called to be. Like that verse I read in the very beginning, where Paul says, we exhort you, as a good father would, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. There's expectations of us as Christians. So knowing this, that Jesus could come back this day, this hour, how should it change the way that we live? If the Bible makes all of these references to the birth pangs and these things that are going to happen, weather changes and earthquakes. You guys know there was an earthquake yesterday less than 10 miles from my house? Don't worry, we survived it. Thanks for checking, by the way. (laughs) But if we look at all of what the Bible has to say about that time, we we don't have time to do it today. Um, But let me encourage you to check 
out places like the beginning of Matthew chapter 24. I read a piece of that, but if you read the beginning of Matthew chapter 4 where it talks, it talks about the return of Jesus there and when you read the description there, it is a time of catastrophe on the earth. Global catastrophe in the world. Uh, destruction. And that's not really a surprise. right? If all of those things are going on, that, that doesn't meet this same description of no one knows the time or the hour and Jesus can come back right now. But it talks about devastation and destruction. So that's, that's one of the reasons why we know that the return of Jesus is not one event, but two events. Right? The, the rapture, his coming back to gather the church to him, and then him coming back. The, him um, putting his foot down on the Mount of Olives and it splitting in two, and very different um, descriptions of those two events. So the first being the rapture of the church, and the second being the return of Christ at the end of the tribulation period. Um, let me ask you this. If all of these birth pangs and all of these things and, and earthquakes and dedum and all of that stuff is happening, happening more and more frequently and there's more and more evidence of that than any other time in the world, so apparently if we're this close... To these events that the scriptures are are telling us that are going to happen during that seven year period of tribulation, how close are we to the rapture that occurs before? If times and seasons are looking like the times and seasons that we see on the pages of this book and and our news channels and out our front doors, we're, we're actually seeing these things. Then how close are we? to the return of Christ for the church. And are we ready for that? Now, now those that don't believe uh, in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church might accuse me of giving people false hope or preaching an easy escapism. Uh, I'm convinced that I'm doing none of those things this morning. Um, I'm comforting people with these words like Paul encourages us to. These are words that should comfort the Christians. This is what the Bible says and teaches, and it should radically change the way that we live. And as I said last week, also the way that we witness to others around us. So if this is true, if we believe the things that we say we believe and your mom or your child or your neighbor or your coworker and i hope not but maybe even the person sitting next to you this morning or somebody listening online isn't ready for his return and will then have to endure suffering as the world has never seen it and we know this truth shouldn't that change the way that we live Shouldn't that change the way that we witness? Paul says so in verse 6. He says, therefore, because of all that, here's the action plan. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. That might be a message for you specifically this morning, right now. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 
Sober meaning have a clear mind and being ready to take action. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. Does that sound familiar to another piece of Scripture? Ephesians 6, yeah. But not exactly like Ephesians 6. Paul changes it up a little bit. And and I just bring that up because we shouldn't look at that passage as um, dogmatic, these things mean this. But Paul, Paul is using something that they can relate to. Paul's saying, put on the breastplate of faith and love. The breastplate would be our equivalent to uh, like a bulletproof vest for a law enforcement officer. I, I was actually watching uh, during the week, turned on a, a law enforcement show, and there was a, there was a drive-by shooting in this sh- show. So bullets are flying, and then this actor, I can tell he was an actor and not a real police officer because of what he did. He jumped out of the car, put his vest over his neck, and ran with the vest flopping and all open and twisted sideways and... I just started laughing. I, I said to Nicole, I said, that, no police officer in the world would do that. You know, not be ready, not be equipped, not have it all buttoned up and overlapping and, and charging out. Unfortunately, a lot of them don't wear it all the time, but we don't, they don't know the day or the hour, right? When, when they're going to need that. And Paul uses that as an example for us. The, the breastplate or the vest, what does that do? Your, your body has like a two-by-four area right down the center of it that is super vulnerable. Anywhere in that will stop the threat. That's where your vital organs are. And Paul says, comparatively, as a Christian, your vitals are faith and love. If you're going to make it in this world, if you're going to have this testimony like, like Paul did, to say... Uh, We've been devout and just and blameless. How we've behaved among you. We need to protect faith and love in our lives as followers of Christ. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's one thing that you have that the world doesn't. Hope and salvation. Knowledge of what's to come. Rest and peace in that. So, He encourages us, verse 8, again, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate, taking action, being ready, right? Continue on to be active and engaged in this battle, understanding that we are in a spiritual battle, serving others, sharing the gospel with others. We, we are not as Christians, it's nowhere, we see no example of it in the scriptures. We see tons of examples of it in the Church of America, but we are not to be passive consumers. Last week, I, I, I think, compared it to a baby bird sitting in a nest, waiting to be fed by others. But we're to be actively engaged. Not passive consumers. This word for sleep that Paul uses here is different than the one that he used for death in the last chapter. 
This means more like lethargic or indifferent to the spiritual responsibilities or apathetic to the spiritual condition to those around you. Paul said that should not be named among you. That shouldn't describe you. That's heartbreaking to think of. That someone could be possibly saved, consider themselves a Christian, yet somehow not be moved with compassion for those that aren't. He, he goes on, this, I love this. Verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Church. Not just in Thessalonica, but those that follow Christ. The scriptures say, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Again, verse 9. Verse 9. God did not appoint us to wrath. You know what that means? That at one time we had an appointment with wrath. Those that are saved are no longer appointed to wrath. Those that are not saved currently have an appointment with wrath. There's a date and time when the wrath of God will be poured out on them. This is actually one of my favorite verses of all time. I read it and I praise God, hallelujah. Some of you, by the way, that last worship song sort of set your stoicism aside for a little bit. That was kind of cool. That's how I feel when I read this verse. I, I'm, I'm no longer appointed to wrath. God did not appoint us to wrath, Christian. But it means that at one time we had an appointment with wrath. We may endure suffering here on earth. We may endure the wrath of man here on earth, but nothing, nothing should be feared more than the, the wrath of God. There's destruction and there's all these things that are coming, but the worst of all things to come is the wrath of God being poured out. His holiness, his righteous judgment must be satisfied. Adam actually made that appointment for you. You guys that are couples, do you guys ever make appointments for each other? hey, can you make an appointment? Or I got to pick this up or get my car or this or that or whatever. That, that's the deal with humanity, right? Adam actually made this appointment with wrath for us when he sinned. And he, he then passed that sinful nature on to you and I. But of course, we then confirmed that appointment, right? When we chose sin for ourselves. When we chose sin over God. It's like getting the call. I don't know why. I made an appointment on this date. Why they always have to call me five times in between to confirm it. But that's kind of a good picture of our lives. Every time that we chose sin, we confirmed that appointment with wrath. But Christians in Thessalonica and Christians here today or, or, or listening online, God did not appoint us to wrath. 
that appointment was canceled or that appointment was satisfied by Jesus for those who have placed their faith and their trust for salvation in him. Not for everyone. That's universalism. Everyone doesn't go to heaven in the end. That's, That's part of the gospel too. The good news isn't good news unless you know what the bad news is. The good news isn't good news unless you know that you at one point in time had an appointment with wrath, but now you no longer do because of Jesus. Verse 9 again, he says, we no longer have an appointment with wrath, but to obtain salvation. We were appointed to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then verse 10 says, who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live forever with him. Verse 11 says, therefore, again, in light of everything that he said before the unfortunate chapter break and after, therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are already doing just as you also are doing. Another way that we can know that the return of Christ is two separate events. Paul, their pastor, their shepherd that loves them, would not be saying comfort one another with this if they were heading into the tribulation. You know, Paul would not be saying, church, I know you're suffering persecution now, And the wrath of man is being spilled out. I know because I was actually driven out of there. Right? I could only stay a few weeks with you. I get that. However, take comfort in this. What you're experiencing right now, that's nothing compared to what's to come. It is going to get so bad. Wait till you get to the tribulation. It's not what he says at all. Wait, wait, do you have to make a decision about whether or not to take the mark of the beast so you can buy or sell and provide for your family? Actually, you know what? Many of you guys are actually going to be killed for your faith. You're going to get to see what it would be like to be a martyr like Stephen. And then when the bowls of judgment are poured out, just wait. Read Revelation so you can take comfort in the things to come. That, those are not the words... Of Paul. A good pastor would have warned them about all those things were he not convinced that Jesus was coming back for the church to catch them up, to snatch them up, the the harpazo, the rapture of the church. Let me correct something I just said. I said if they... If they were going into the tribulation period, then Paul would not be saying, take comfort in this. And, well, they're not. Um, Like us, they're waiting for the rapture of the church. The beginning of the day of the Lord is the next prophetic event on the timeline, but Paul doesn't say, take comfort in this. That's not what he says to them. He actually says comfort each other. There's a big difference there. Comfort one another 
with these things. Notice, again, Christian, young and old, um, new and not so new in your faith, we're to take a role of active engagement. That's how he ends the, the therefore. This is how it should affect your life. He says, comfort others and edify one another. That means to build up. Build up one another. Let me let you in on a little secret on the economy of God. If you comfort others, you will be comforted. If you comfort others, you will be comforted. That's how it works. If you need to be built up, if you're feeling weak or feeble, build somebody else up. Encourage your brother or sister in the Lord and you will be built up. That's just how it works. Focus on serving others, on comforting others, building others, and the Lord himself will do the same for you. This is going to sound radical probably, maybe a little crazy. I would love it if every Christian in the world would do this. Can you imagine? But what about, what about if just this little church actually did just this one verse? If you're wondering why I'm not trying to finish the rest of the chapter, I want to look at this verse. What if we did this? The people in this room or the, or the people watching online. To comfort one another. What if we were to edify one another so that every single one of us then was comforted and every single one of us then was built up? For starters, we would be the healthiest church in the state of Maine. God might actually use us. And these guys were already doing this. Right, we can see at the end here, they're already doing this. And, and I think we're already doing this. Some. Not all, but some. There's some really awesome examples of this going on. But Paul says, therefore, in light of this, in light of the, the soon return of Christ to rapture his church, comfort each other, edify one another, just as you're doing, but keep on in faithful endurance. And I think he would say the same to us this morning. There's some really awesome things going on. People really loving each other. Growth groups ministering to one another. And Paul says, keep going. Encourage, comfort, build up, strengthen. Listen, for those of you that are joining us in this week of prayer, um, again, I've said it, and I've said it, to pray and ask the Lord to lead you and what, what to do. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's some packets on the back table. If you go to our website, uh, Old Town CF, Old Town Christian Fellowship, oldtowncf.com, and click on Prayer Week, this is, there's a color version on there. Um, but each day, we're, we're, there's different themes that we're praying for, different specific things as a church that we want to intercede 
and ask the Lord to to save, to remove blindness. The, the, the week of prayer actually began today. So there's things on that list to pray for today. Um, and fasting starts tomorrow. And there's several different descriptions of fasts in the back. And again, don't do just what somebody else is doing or, or let somebody else drive what you're doing. Read through that, pray, and ask the Lord what works for you. Again, a, a media fast. Fasting from all forms of media, all your social media. Deleting those apps from your phone for the week. And spending that time with the Lord. Maybe super productive. Um, there will be prayer offered at the church um, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. in the morning. This side door over here will be unlocked, so you can come in and join us um, praying here and 6.30 each evening. Our Wednesday night service won't be streamed. Um, that's going to be a prayer and praise. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray about specific things together. But we encourage you to come to any of that. Each day, uh, Monday through Friday, um, one of our elders will be here at noon as well, if that works better for some of you. But here's the caveat to that is um, invite a friend to join you, okay? Because it's an elder by himself, and if a a lady shows up by herself, I don't want to put that together. I don't want there to be any potential for accusation or anything for anybody. So if if you come and you're a lady by yourself and you see Ron standing in the door like this and he won't unlock the door, that's because of me, okay? (laughs) So just be understanding of that. Invite somebody, and that solves the problem, okay? So 6 a.m., noon, and 6.30 p.m., Monday through Friday. And we're just going to come and pray. Pray about those things on this list. Pray for each other and uh, intercede on behalf of this, this church and our community and our world. Somebody asked last week how long we're going to stay um, we, we don't want to come in at 6 and then have somebody show up at 8.30, okay? So if people are here at 6, we'll stay. It would be no, no more than an hour, probably a half hour. People have got to get to work or whatever. So any questions about that before we close? Good. I hope that didn't take the focus off of the word. But I just encourage you to participate. I get it that not everybody can fast or not everybody can fast in these ways. Everybody in this church can pray. Everybody can join us in that. So let's, let's pray. Father, you've heard the things that were shared. Today, Lord, you know our hearts. You know where everyone in this room is. Lord, you know those that are ready. And Lord, you know probably Christians and non-Christians that aren't ready that would be caught off guard. So Lord, let these words not fall on hardened ears. Uh, But Lord, by your Spirit, use them, Lord, powerfully, that we would be prepared. Lord, that therefore, we would do these things that you've instructed us to do, to take comfort, Lord, that you have not appointed us to wrath, but Lord, there are others now that still have that active appointment and break our hearts for them. You sent your son to die for them. That ought to move us, Lord. That ought to increase their value in our eyes. 
Lord, I pray that you use this week in miraculous ways beyond our comprehension. Lord, that there would be no manipulation or any of that garbage, but Lord, you would just use us to make us more like Jesus. Use this time together in prayer. Use, the, use our time alone with you, Lord, to speak and to minister to us and to comfort us, Lord, as we comfort others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.